You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. So, you know, you're going to get some bounces, but overall, gold is going to move lower. And then you're going to get the trade. I'm going to call it the trade of a decade. And I think, you know, if, if you see gold down there, everybody's going to be fearful. But that's when you want to jump in somewhere around that 1450 area on, on, uh, on the gold futures. That's where you get involved. I'm Bill Powers, back with Mining Stock Education and my friend Nick Santiago of InTheMoneyStocks.com. Nick, thanks for coming back on the show. So on Friday, they put out the CPI numbers. We're at 6.8%, which is an extreme number. Even the government will acknowledge that, although I think real inflation is at least double that. But even just taking their number, what are your thoughts and how are you playing this as a trader? Well, right off the bat, um, we should take note that the whisper number was 7%. So the market initially rejoiced that it wasn't uh, 7% because that was the, the, the whisper number between, between the institutional crowd. Um, all in all, this is a high number. We already know there's inflation. Look at the gas pump. Look at what you're paying for food. Food and energy are usually excluded in this number. But the reality of it is the number is hot. It's a hot number. And Ben, uh, excuse me, Ben Bernanke, but I was going to say Jay Powell, Fed chairman, was uh testified in front of a Senate Banking Committee just uh, recently, and he said that he thinks he needs to accelerate the taper. And he, he said he's going to put away the word transitory. So even he is acknowledging what the inflationary picture is. And um, I think that the trade now is going to be long yield. I think bond yields on the long end, meaning the 30-year, 20, 30-year, they're going to they're start to really move up. And I think uh, this coming Fed uh, Wednesday, the Fed will meet. Uh, they're going to have their December meeting. And I think that uh, Jay Powell is going to have to accelerate that taper. And that taper will turn into tapering is tightening. And I think um, that's going to affect the stock market. Stock markets will move lower and yields will start to rise. So if you're betting on the 30-year, are you going to do that in a leveraged way? Because aren't you still yeah. losing money when you factor in real inflation? Sure, but I, I've done it with an option. I bought the TBT call option, and I think that's a, a really good way to play it. Um, even that option, as we speak, I'm already up about uh, 20%. So, but I'm looking for a lot more. Um, so overall, um, you're you're gonna you, if you do it with an option, I think you got a really really nice trade on your hands. And uh, again, who knows if you could ever beat inflation, right? Realistically, but you try to just beat the market. That's all you try to do. And you try to put up the best trade possible. And I think right now, if you're looking for a good trade, I think that's a trade that anybody could get into still at this point. Nick, you've said to me over the last few months that the, the best gold trade, a uh, once in a lifetime gold trade could be about 18 months away with these inflation numbers. Is that still your expectation or have you revised that at all? Oh, I haven't revised it at all. That is exactly what I'm looking for. So, and I also said the last time we met, I thought gold would print a 1400 handle. And I'm still in that camp. I know it sounds crazy because inflation is hot. You would think that gold would be upward of 3000 an ounce right now, but yet gold sits, you know, somewhere under 1800. So, um, you know, you're going to get some bounces, but overall gold is going to move lower and then you're going to get the trade. I'm going to call it the trade of a decade. And I think, you know, if, if you see gold down there, everybody's going to be fearful, but that's when you want to jump in somewhere around that 1450 area 
on uh, on the gold futures. That's where you get involved. So how do they? How are they able to do that? Just in short, one more thing on this note, because it doesn't make sense. Inflation's so high. I've had people that don't follow the markets because they know I deal with gold. They're like, Bill, explain to me why gold's not higher when I can see inflation every time I go to the store. How, how do you simplistically explain that to somebody? I I honestly can't explain it. I don't know the fundamental answer for it. But what I do know is charts. And that's why I use them, because that's my go-to source. I, I don't care about the story. I don't care about the manipulation. I just look at the pattern and what the chart pattern represents. And, and just to make it real simple, it's a footprint of human nature, right? All of these algorithms, all of these um, traders all over the world, whether they're trading gold or stocks or bonds, they all have some kind of emotion programmed into the system. And all I do is let's look at that chart and I say, wow, when it gets there, that's going to be the spot. Sometimes you can be wrong, but that's why you use a stop loss. But the big calls generally, I'm not really going to be wrong on them. I've made many of them throughout my life. And I, I tell people this to help them. I don't tell this to hurt them. And, you know, Back when we had that last conversation, nobody thought that gold would trade lower. And it has, right? Everybody would just go, oh, how could it go lower? I said, wait, when it gets to 14, 1500, it's going to take maybe a two year period. That's when you want to get involved. And that's the level. And don't worry about anything else. That's where, that's where you pick it up. And, you know, when I started buying gold and silver in 2003, and I should have bought it in 1999, but I just wasn't a believer. When 2003, I was really convinced people were laughing at me. But, you know, we see where, where gold has gone since. And I think you're going to get that kind of opportunity again um, when it trades down to around that, you know, 1450, 1500 level. And in about, you know, 12, 18, maybe two year period, it'll get down there. And may, if it gets there sooner, I'll still be a buyer at that level. FPX Nickel is developing the large-scale Dakar Nickel District in central British Columbia. Within the district is FPX Nickel's PEA stage Baptiste Nickel Deposit, which is projected to be among the world's top 10 largest nickel mines by annual output. The Baptiste Deposit has the potential for the lowest quartile operating costs at just $2.74 per pound. And compared to recent global nickel mines, the project requires a low capex. FPX is also commencing its first-ever drill program at its van target in the Dakar Nickel District. Surface samples have indicated that the van target footprint is larger in scale and 10 to 15% higher in grade than Baptiste. FPX Nickel trades in Canada as FPX and on the OTC under FPOCF. To learn more, go to fpxnickel.com. That's fpxnickel.com. 12 months ago, you told me the best trade for the year we're still in, 2021, would be volatility. Uh, the VIX had a nice move from November 24th through like December 3rd, like a 60% move. And then it since came falling right back down. Did you play that at all? I missed this last one because I was a nitpicker for price. I was looking to get into volatility. I had alerted my members. We're just going to wait for this certain level. And it jumped ahead of us. So I missed that move. But I will tell you this, that is still not the big one. So that's this year, Nick, still this year, there's going to be another volatility move. Very, very possible. So this is still not the big one. And even if we go into January and February, you'll see a much, much bigger uh, move in the VIX. So that's still not the big one yet. Um, the VIX had a great move. And the reason why it comes down so quick, it's a spike index. So as soon as it goes parabolic, everybody um, you know, gets out and they say, oh, let's buy the market. The bar market's been conditioned to buy every single dip. 
So all the participants out there, every time we get a fall, five, six percent, boom, they jump back in, create a quick short covering rally. That's what we saw earlier this week on uh, Monday and Tuesday. It was a short covering rally. That's that's not going to last all that long. Don't be fooled this time around. Um, you know, every, everybody's looking for the markets to explode and go to new highs. We're in a different different type of area. This year was what I call an inversion type year. Um, the market was supposed to, in my book, was supposed to top out in March. Um, we were supposed to cascade down until the end of the year. Well, we did the opposite. We started to fall in March and we reversed and we moved up into the end of the year. Now you got to be very, very careful in this stock market going forward. Can you share a little insights about what are your big picture for 2022 and how you plan on trading it? You mentioned volatility. I assume inflation-related trades. Anything else? Yeah, I think right now, if you're going to own stocks going into 2022, you want to own very defensive-type companies. I don't mean military defense. I mean stocks like Procter & Gamble, Unilever, um, very, very uh, companies that people are going to use those consumer goods no matter what happens. Those are the things you want to hold. If you're looking to, um, to make money in this market, you want to short technology. Technology is going to get hammered. Um, we already got, got many, many sell signals in tech right now. Um, also, volatility will spike in the first half of uh, 2022. I'm thinking the first quarter is going to be a doozy to the downside. And you base that on just that not being fulfilled this year and you just still expect that time frame? Or, or can you share yeah, a little yeah, bit about I mean, how you concluded that? Yeah. So this year has been a little bit strange. We've had a lot of bear markets within a primary bull market. So the indexes continue to go higher, but you have a lot of stocks that have been just absolutely decimated at, at certain points in time. Remember earlier in the year, you had the SPACs. They just got absolutely taken to the woodshed. Nobody wants to own that now. And then you have a bunch of different equities, even in the semiconductor space, which you know is has just made a, a new all-time high or near a new all-time high. A lot of semiconductors were were hammered. A lot of of, of tech stocks were were slaughtered. So, but somehow, some way, because of the the size of a handful of companies, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, even Tesla to some degree now, which is a you know a trillion dollar company. You can just keep those stocks up, the markets go up. But that's just that just reflects the indexes because there's such a heavy weighting in those uh, heavy weighting and concentration in those names. But the the reality of it is that um, there's been bear markets throughout this whole year, and and that's going to really be reflective coming up, even in the indexes soon. The semiconductors, as you mentioned, they they came off. Do you expect them to go higher in the in the near term? Do you have any trade there? I don't think the, the semiconductors are still in a very strong uptrend. They're near all-time highs. So we still got to respect them. They haven't broken down yet. They, they look like they were going to break down two days ago, and then they had this monster reversal to the upside. So they're still strong. But I use them as a leading industry group um, and, and also like a market barometer. So when they start to break down, everything's going to break down lower. Um, the worst thing that can happen for the market is the market um, the semiconductors make a new high and the markets make a lower high. If that happens, when the semis break, indexes are just going to get absolutely pounded. Now, even when there's such demand for semiconductors, because I have friends that work for GM and they say, Bill, we got these completed vehicles that we can't send to the dealers because we still need the semiconductors and the chips. And I drove past the other day where the Palace of Auburn Hills used to be. The Pistons used to play there. They demolished it because the Pistons went downtown. Nick, GM is renting 
this massive parking lot and it's filled with a bunch of GM trucks. And I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming they're just waiting on a chip before they've got get shipped out because I've never seen this before in my life. Yeah, none of none of us have ever seen this, but there's shortages everywhere. I just went to my kids' baseball game in Sarasota, and there was no Gatorade on the shelves. So this has nothing to do with not being able to produce a semiconductor. It has to do with shipping the stuff from Taiwan or wherever it's coming from, right? You have 196 ships out in in LA sitting out there in the water that they can't get to port and get unloaded. I mean, this is, this is not a, a problem in my opinion that they can't produce semiconductor chips. I've seen how semiconductors are produced. They could do them pretty quickly. It's, a, it's a, put it in a wafer factory and they could run off as many as they want. Same way as if you want to run off a DVD, it's the same thing. It's an absolute joke. It's all, it's all happening purposely. And you know, powers that be, this is what they want. And I'm not afraid to say it. Um, this is, you know, exactly what you got when you got Biden in office. And on that note, cause you said a year ago too, I think if Biden wins, you're going to sell everything. Did you yeah. follow through on that? Uh, no, I, didn't, I didn't follow through on that because, but I did do it in the first quarter of last year. I was short and I, you know, I, I did pretty well in the beginning, but the trend, you can't fight the fed. You can't fight central bank liquidity. And when they put this much money in the system, when have you ever seen in the history of mankind where they're printing $120 billion a month to buy U.S. treasuries and mortgage-backed securities with stock markets at all-time highs and interest rates at zero? We've never seen this in the history of man. So, you know, I, I remember going back when I really started to get into stock markets, I would start to study the 80s. And I remember... You know, when Paul Volcker uh, was the Fed chair and Ronald Reagan was the president in 1982, and all of a sudden, you know, Volcker was fighting inflation and then he cut rates and the stock market took off. Now, Reagan had some good policies in there, but the reality was that he didn't move the market. It was, it was the amount of liquidity that's allowed to get pushed into the system that moved the market. So presidents have this much to do with it. Central banks have everything to do with it. And it's just that simple. And you know what? If there's a lot of liquidity in the system, you can't fight it. Now we're going to get a tapering going on. So the, the Fed has to kind of fight inflation again, or at least try to. And if they accelerate their tapering, which they probably will announce at the next meeting next week, we'll see, we'll see how the stock market holds up then. Nick, final advice for trading in 2022 as we conclude. First half, first quarter, be on your toes. It could be a real, real turbulent situation. And I know there are a lot of new traders out there, and my heart goes out to them. You got all these Robin Hood traders, eToro traders. Everybody just thinks that the stock market always goes up. Everybody thinks that it's an easy business. It is not. It is not. And the buy the dippers, you know, you're going to get your head handed to you. But that's how you learn. You know, I had to learn the same way. Um, I can't tell you the, the humbling stories I had in my early years, right? By doing stupid things. So again, um, the market has a way of teaching you not by your winners. Generally, it's going to be by your losers. And th there's going to be some pain in the first quarter of uh, at least first quarter, first half of 2022. To learn more about Nick's service, go to inthemoneystocks.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter where he does share some analysis and insights of how he's trading the market. I'll put a link to Nick's Twitter feed as well in the show notes. Nick, as always, I really appreciate your insights and I'll be catching up with you in the new year. 
Uh, thank you for having me, Bill, and uh, have a have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.